Hello and welcome to Stack and Sats presented by Forspace Mining. I am your host, Pomek Ovasic. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Marco Tarman. Marco is the lead mining manager at NiceHash and has a plethora of knowledge when it comes to Bitcoin and mining in general. Marco and I were able to connect in Houston at Empower, and we found some time last month in Miami to record this episode during Bitcoin 2023. Today, we'll be primarily focusing our conversation around NiceHash's Open Hash Power Marketplace, which connects sellers and miners of hash power with buyers of hash power in real time. We go over the general topics uh, surrounding the marketplace. We also speak on Marco's intro and experience in mining, and we touch ordinals, BRC20, and all the buzz surrounding Bitcoin transaction fees. Marco, it was a pleasure to have you on the episode. Marco, first and foremost, is a Balkan brother. He's an incredibly intelligent guy and the right person to be the face of NiceHash and their open hash power marketplace. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. I certainly did. As always, this is not financial advice. Please enjoy this episode with Marco Tarman. I'm super happy to have you here, Marco. This is Stack and Sats, uh, presented by Forspace Mining, and happy to hear you had a fun time getting into Miami. Hope it's been a good experience. Yeah, it is. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Happy uh, to be here. I know that uh, we didn't really get to meet at Empower. We briefly met, but... Yeah, we just grabbed a coffee, right? Uh, yeah. We met. Yeah, with yeah. Matt Chamberlain, yeah. and then I remember you reached out, and you kind of gave me, like... An update on nice hash which was really nice because i felt like i felt like i just had no idea yeah most people they might have heard us about nice hash they even use this like big time f uh, mining farm operators they've used nice cash back in 2016 or 17 with their gpus but most of them don't understand what nice hash really is so we get that we're doing the coin switching, we're doing the exchange to Bitcoin because they used to mine Ethereum, uh, like with GPUs, they would get paid in Bitcoins and they think that we do the converter or whatever, which is not true. Yeah, that's kind of how I had known yeah. NiceHash because I have some friends who do the GPU or they were doing the GPU yeah. mining and... It's totally different, totally different story. Uh, if you want, I can explain. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sure. So basically there's a marketplace, spot marketplace, or as we call it, live on-demand hash rate marketplace. And we connect buyers and sellers. And why the sellers are getting paid in Bitcoin is because the buyer has to deposit Bitcoins on nice hash to buy the hash rate. So it's just a means of tra transfer. It could be, you know, like dollars potatoes or but it's not conventional so like uh you know there's like a few options when it comes to like you know securing bitcoin you can either buy it off of like a marketplace more traditionally like you know coinbase or gemini or whatnot yeah. you can choose to mine yourself and now this is something new that i'm hearing of is this you know in real time marketplace with nice hash and yeah, I guess uh, if you could just explain a little bit more of like, you know, the differences and from your perspective, why, you yeah. know, you would uh, pitch the marketplace nice hash to people. Uh, so we allow buyers to get on-demand hash rate. So the buyers can do whatever they want with that hash rate. They can do solo mining, they can do pool mining, they can help secure their projects with it. They can, uh, for example, pool operators can buy the hash rate to increase their uh, payout frequencies in case they don't have so much hash rate. Uh, what else the buyers do? The buyers can do arbitrage trading with the hash rate, which basically means that the buyer will buy the hash rate under break-even price if it's available at that price uh, and direct it to a pool. And statistically, they have uh, a probability of making that small percentage, percentages of between the price of the hash rate and the hash price index. So that might be like 5 or 3 or 2%. And that's what they make. Mm -hmm. So by, they can spend one Bitcoin and get 1.2 Bitcoins back. 1.02 Bitcoin. 
Because... And, and this is a little bit different from like like cloud mining. Yeah, it's totally different because cloud mining uh, means that you buy a contract of hash rate, so you're buying the future hash rate in advance, uh, and this makes things more complicated from legal perspective. Whereas a nice hash, uh, there's no contracts. Everything is happening in real time. Mm -hmm. So uh, as you pay for the hash rate, you're getting the hash rate. Interesting. And it's just the same as buying bread in the groceries, grocery store. Everything is happening in real time and there's like no contracts or whatsoever. You can cancel the order anytime you want. As a buyer, mm -hmm. you can cancel the order anytime you want. Uh, you can manipulate the price, you can increase the amount of hash rate you're getting, lower it. Everything is happening in real time. As you set up a new order for the hash rate, uh, you specify the price, the hash rate you want to get, and how much Bitcoins you want to spend. And based on of that, if the price is high enough, uh, you will get that hash rate to whatever pool you specify or like address or... So it's it's it can be more than just like Bitcoin. You can you can run other kinds of projects, yes. other coins. Yes, yes. Uh, so we have about thirty different algorithms supported. Uh, SHA for Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash. There's Script algorithm for Litecoin and Dogecoin. There's uh, ETC Hash, which is mostly for Ethereum Classic and Zilliqa, if you're familiar with it, mm. uh, and bunch of other. Uh, algorithms. So yeah, the buyer can buy the hash rate and mine Bitcoin Cash if he wants, uh, which is actually uh, also quite brilliant for the sellers, for the miners, because in that case, the miner is doing profit switching between different coins. So you have uh, a buyer who is mostly buying Bitcoin, uh, hash power for mining Bitcoin, and then another buyer might buy hash rate to mine Bitcoin Cash. Uh, and as you know, the mining profitability of these two coins fluctuate. And in some cases, Bitcoin Cash is more profitable to mine uh, than Bitcoin. In that, uh, in that case, the buyer of Bitcoin Cash hash rate will increase the price above B Bitcoin mm -hmm. price. In reality, it's still SHA, SHA-256 uh, algorithm. Mm -hmm. But uh, the miner doesn't know if he's mining Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or whatever. Mm -hmm. He's just selling the compute power for mining these coins. I didn't even think of that. I assumed that, you know, if you're the miner, as the miner would be the seller, right? Yes. So if I assume that if you're the miner, the seller, that you're just mining, you know, the algorithm that you're mining and then other people are buying that. I didn't realize that. No, no. The buyer can direct the hash rate to whatever pool that supports SHA-256. So, but not a necessary pool. It can be a node, uh, but that's getting too technical, I guess. <laughs> uh, he can mine Bitcoin Cash or whatever coin that uses the same algorithm, the same protocol. Uh, so I, I see why... Like uh, this would be advantageous, like you said, from cloud mining, because, you know, let's say that you get a contract for like a month, you yeah. know, at this amount of hash rate and Bitcoin drops or whatnot, you're still stuck in this yeah. contract. Exactly. Um, and then all of a sudden you're losing money instead of making money. Yeah. Um, so with this like real time marketplace, you have the ability to kind of you just cancel the order if you want. Right. And it, like with zero fees or whatever. You just cancel it and you get the... the. So, for example, the buyer will lock in one Bitcoin for the order duration. So, uh, once the order is progressed, uh, let's say by half, if he decides, decides to cancel the order uh, in the mid of the order, he will get half a Bitcoin back. And then he can set up another order for a different pool or different coin or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, as you said, the... How... The, so Go ahead. The, uh, the, with cloud mining, mm -hmm. uh, someone is losing money. It's either the buyer or the seller because there's certain risk with uh, cloud mining uh, and it's called network difficulty. If network or the price, 
eventually. Uh, if network difficulty goes up, the buyer of hash rate of cloud mining contract will lose money. Uh, but if it goes down, the seller will be losing it. Mm -hmm. No, it's the other way around. I think it's the other way around. Uh, so in each case, somebody will be losing money with, with cloud mining. So with, with like the marketplace, man, I have like a, I have like a million questions because this is such a cool topic. Yeah. Um, so for starters, how, how transparent is the marketplace? Like, you know, I feel like that's a big problem with cloud mining is people can't actually, uh, you know, determine whether that hash power is there and, you know, like whether they're just getting deposited something I mean, or if it's actually happening. It's quite simple to test it. Uh, you set up an order, you rake that, that hash rate to whatever pool. Uh, you want brains, uh, I don't know, Luxor or whatever, and you will see that hash rate there. You will get the accepted shares mm -hmm. from the pool. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's like an easy way to validate everything. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and for the seller of hash rate, it's also very easy to, to validate everything because you get paid every four hours mm -hmm. as a seller. That I think no other pool uh, allows that but you get paid every four hours and you're paid for each and every share, which is again, if we touch that topic a little bit, uh, beneficial for miners, especially miners that are connected to smaller pools because there's, there's pool luck, if you're familiar with that. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I think in January, there was a case that one of the big mining farms connected to a pool and just uh, bad luck for the pool and the mining farm had like 20% less income mm -hmm. just because the pool had so such small presence, such small uh, market share mm -hmm. of the net hash. So for the audience, I guess, could you give a little bit of an explanation about pool luck? Yeah, so pool luck is a statistical way of determining the frequency of block hits, I guess. Uh, because the blocks are hit every 10 minutes, uh, the miner has certain probability of confirming that block. Mm -hmm. But on, on short term, let's say a month or a week, it could happen that you hit uh, 10 blocks in 10 days, but the next 10 days you will only hit two blocks. Right. And the uh, week after that you will hit 15 blocks and so on. And if you're connected just for a short period, that uh, luck that payout can be, I mean, on the other hand, you can get lucky, but you're taking a risk of getting unlucky. Because overall it's supposed to, the pool luck is supposed to kind of help uh, ensure that like over the long run, you're, you're hitting like that average amount of block rewards. Which is 100%. Right. So statistically you should earn 100% on the long, long run, but it can happen that in short periods you will uh, hit less blocks. The pool will confirm less blocks, but in the next period, they will normally confirm more. So if the pool lock is, lock is off, it's just too short a uh, time period. Mm. Whereas at nice hash, you're getting paid nevertheless. If So once the buyer buys the hash rate, he directs it to a pool and he acts as a miner of that pool. Not the seller of hash rate, but the buyer is the miner. And he, he's taking the, that risk of getting the reward or not. So the buyer is taking the risk, but the buyer has to pay for each and every share sent from the seller. And uh, sellers on nice hash don't have that uh, risk because they know the price and they know the share worth. So for each and every share you send, you're getting paid. So as a seller, it'd be advantageous to use nice hash because you're not as concerned about uh, issues with the pool yes. and it's a little bit more consistent and you're getting your payout regardless is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, you always know that's one of the benefits. It's not, it's not the, the main one. The main one is, uh, we haven't touched that yet. Yeah. What are some of the other, <laughs> well, that's, the, that's the good higher benefit. pay rates, the higher pay rates. How exactly does that work? So uh, the pay rates 
are, I think for the past 60, uh, 30 days are about 7% higher than hash price index. So that's, that's a lot of money. Uh, it just works because there's supply and demand on the marketplace and demand is so high for that on demand hash rate, uh, that the buyers are willing to pay premium premium for that hash rate and, uh, the seller benefits the most for, from that they're earning, like I said, 7% more than anywhere else. Interesting. Yeah. And how about as a buyer, what are, you know, why would it be advantageous to be a, a buyer and ice hash? Different reason, reasons. Uh, first of all, uh, as I explained before, there are conventional buyers, as we call them, they buy the hash rate under break-even price. So if we would only had these conventional buyers, the pay rate on ice hash would be lower than hash price index because they have to make, let's say 2% off of that, uh, hash rate, yeah. uh, to do arbitrage trading with the hash rate. Uh, and then, then we have, uh, solo miners, buyers, uh, solo buyers, I guess, uh, then they are buying the hash rate to do solo mining. Uh, so, uh, solo, a buyer will buy hash rate, a huge amount of hash rate, let's say 500 pentahash, beta hash for two hours. And he will try his luck, uh, and try to confirm the block on Bitcoin. Hey. So just speaking from the top of my head, let's say 500 beta hash for two hours would be, I don't know, uh, $500. Um, and with that $500, the buyer has a decent probability of hitting a block. That means like what's now $150,000. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the, that buyer, uh, he's willing to pay premium price for that hash rate because he has to outbid the conventional buyers. Uh, there's an order book of, uh, orders for the hash rate. Uh, and let's say there's 100 orders and only the top, uh, 10 will get filled because for the rest of them, there's not enough hash rate on the marketplace. And the first one is the topping. And then the second one is paying less and less and less. And, uh, the priority for hash rate is based on the uh, price of the, of the order. So the higher the price, the higher, I mean, if you outbid everyone, you're going to get the hash rate. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's why these solo mining buyers have to uh, outbid others yeah. and send the higher price, higher than hash price index, uh, to try their luck, I guess. Uh, and just two weeks ago, there was a guy who spent $2 and confirmed the block. He spent $2 and got $150,000. And crazy. And then, I mean, it is, it, it's absolutely insane. I've been seeing, you know, you're really active on LinkedIn and I've seen you post, uh, multiple like articles and whatnot of solo miners of yeah. people just buying a little bit of hash power and confirming the block. Um, so then you are getting, you're getting the block reward and you're getting like the, the transaction fees yes. that are yes. skyrocketed since ordinals yeah. or, you know, with the, with all the, uh, with all the B, what are they called? The, the BRC 20. BRC 20. Yeah. yeah. And has that, have you seen some popularity on nice hash through that? Are you seeing, yes. you're seeing more competition, more buyers, you know, looking to outbid each other and. I mean, so again, it comes down to the type of buyer, mm -hmm. the conventional buyer will go, uh, will know what's the fee in the next block mm. and he's willing to pay so much higher for that hash rate. Mm. Uh, if there's 20% more reward in the more, more to total reward in the block, the buyer will set 20% higher price. Uh, and it just, the buyers are smart people. They have uh, bots, we have API support and they aren't doing this manually. Mm -hmm. So they check the main pool, they check the block reward and they, uh, they use their bots to do the hard work for them. Uh, so they're always, they know what's the margin, mm -hmm. the, the highest margin or the lowest they're willing to, to buy the hash rate at. So, so this is interesting because I mean, every time that 
you learn something new in Bitcoin, you learn like a, you just learn like a multifaceted, you know, approach industry within Bitcoin and how it can be used. And I feel like there's a lot of people who, you know, are into trading and whether it's like traditional stocks or crypto and yeah. whatnot. And it's, it can be, you know, obviously it can be very volatile and if especially if you have to do this on your own yeah. and kind of guess when's the right time to buy when is the right time to sell so you guys are just like providing an entirely different approach to yeah. how you go about you know using proof of work systems how you go about um finding interest in bitcoin and crypto and yeah, yeah and we've been around since 2014 mm -hmm. and the core product has always been the same so the marketplace has always existed since since 2014 really yeah why why is i mean is it is it pretty popular i mean i just i'm pretty new so for me it's like just hearing of this so um, uh there there are some buyers that made a lot of money from that mm -hmm. uh before there was ethereum mining and as you know ethereum also had high fees uh before they started burning them uh, and people were able to make a lot of money from the buy side. Uh, so there was always a lot of demand for that hash rate. Uh, but again, we weren't focusing on ASIC mining that much, just GPU. Because with GPU, you had two layers of profitability switching. The first one was on the algorithm itself, which I explained before, there could be multiple coins and the buyers will do the profit switching between these coins sure. for the seller. Uh, so Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, the same thing. Mm. Uh, and with GPUs, you had an option to change the algorithms on the go. So we have our own NiceHash Miner software and NiceHash Quick Miner and NiceHash OS actually, uh, which do the switching between these algorithms. So there could be, uh, you as a GPU miner could be mining uh, ETC hash, uh, but at a certain moment, key heavy hash for Caspa, if you're familiar, uh, starts paying more. So the miners will switch to that algorithm and then they will earn more. And if the ETC hash starts to pay more again, the miners will go back. So it's constant profit switching between all of these algorithms. And it's, I call it a two layer profit switching. Mm. Uh, that isn't the case with uh, ASICs because you're always mining one algorithm, but you st still have that first layer which is between the coins on the same algorithm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as the, in the recent years, when there's more institutional miners, there, there is a bigger need for this kind of tools. And I've no noticed that there's a lot of hash rate marketplaces popping up, yeah. but in reality, none of them are like us. So we do in real time, Everything is in real time. Mm -hmm. A seller is paying, uh, a buyer is paying for the hash rate in real time. The seller is getting paid in real time. There's no contracts or whatsoever. Everyone can disconnect or connect however they want. Um, but the, these so-called hash rate marketplaces, which is basically cloud mining, mm -hmm. uh, they, they do contracts. So the minimum I found online was 30 days, I think. So both the buyers and the sellers are taking a 30 day risk for that uh, hash rate. Like it's, it's locked. It's locked. It's 30 it's days. Yeah. And there's, there's a bunch of regulations stuff you have to do on both sides. Uh, for example, what if, if you're a buyer of hash rate, what happens if a mining farm disconnects? What happens if they run out of power? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, everything is possible. And then you as a buyer of that hash rate. Maybe you also have a contract uh, for that hash rate in an, in to, to some third party and you're liable to them that you provide that hash rate, but the farm disconnects or whatever can happen. Yeah. Uh, so there's that risk. There's risk of uh, higher or lower pay rates based on the difficulty. Right. Yeah. Uh, whereas a nice hash, there's none of that. There is no contract. No, I think it's SU, SOC. Uh, I think you guys have, uh, like the on with cloud mining uh the, the sec or like a governmental yeah like uh, um 
I'm not sure how is it called, but basically the hashtag marketplace has to do a uh, due diligence sure. for both sides. Mm -hmm. Whereas a nice hash, there's none of that. You just come and start mining. Are you talking? Are you talking about like like KYC? Yes. Like, okay. And KYB, I've heard uh, uh, KYM, M, KYM. It's know your miner. Uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, there's none of that there. Uh, on nicer, there's KYC for buyers. Mm -hmm. So there's uh, you know no no risk of something malicious to happen with that hash rate mm -hmm. because we always know who is the buyer. But yeah. And as a miner, you know, why is it why is it important to be able to avoid uh, KYC? Mm, it's not important to avoid it. I mean, it's up to the, mm -hmm. the person, but it makes things more complicated where they sh they shouldn't be. You know, you're just selling hash rates on nice hash. Uh, yeah, it's like why do you need to know? all my information yeah. about me and who I am yeah. if I'm just selling you hash rate. Yeah. And the thing with NiceHash is that you don't even have to create an account. You just use your Bitcoin wallet address for mining. Uh, some some OG miners might remember that in the past there was no user accounts with any of the pools. You could just, uh, that, that was more popular with GPU miners. So you would just use your mining address, dot worker name and pool address as a URL and that's it. Mm. Uh, it's still the same with NiceHash, but you also give another option to do a, to create an account. So, yeah, we have both both options. Yeah, and in a world where, <clears throat> like the government, wherever you are, whatever country you're in, the government just wants to know more about, you know, what it is you're doing with your money. And I think for anyone who's in Bitcoin, anyone who's in crypto. We all see that there's a big problem with that. Like I'm always ranting to my girlfriend about KYC. Like, <laughs> and she's like, what is KYC? Like it's, it's know your customer. So it's like, no matter what you're doing, it seems that, you know, some sort of institution, whether it's from the financial institution yeah. or it's the government, you know, that's auditing the financial institution. Everyone needs to know, you know, a good amount of personal information about you. Yeah. And we're seeing with, you know, mining and Bitcoin in general, just becoming more popular. Uh, you're seeing more regulation. You're seeing more need of this KYC. Yeah. Um, not everyone likes that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, there's, there's two sides of the coin. Obviously there's security and uh, money laundering and all that stuff. I try to avoid that kind of stuff because you know it kyc could be good for something sure yeah but uh obviously crypto is against all that stuff mm -hmm. yeah so as a seller still there's no need to do kyc mm -hmm. nice how did you get into working with nice hash and you know do you want to can we talk a little bit about maybe your personal journey yeah, sure. to bitcoin crypto and all yeah, that sure. so i started mining Bitcoin in 2012. Mm. So I mined a couple of Bitcoins with GPUs. So there's not many people that could say that, I guess. Uh, then there was Bitfury ASICs, if you if you heard about them, but Butterfly Labs, mm. not, not Bitfury, Butterfly Labs. What is that? It was the first ASIC. Oh, okay. Uh, it was like that, that small box. And it was basically a big scam. They, I think they sold like 30,000 models and only shipped a couple thousand. Something oh I don't remember correctly, but sure. uh, then just after that, this, the difficulty of Bitcoin mining went up. GPU mining wasn't profitable anymore. And we started mining Litecoin. From Litecoin, we went to Dogecoin, I think. There was Birdcoin in between. And soon after, there was Ethereum. Mm. So majority of mining I did was with GPUs and I did bought uh, the Creed ASIC that was around 2016 I think and it was my biggest mistake. I spent half a Bitcoin for an ASIC which I received was just a heavy paperweight. Oh my yeah, god. Uh, I ordered it in like, I don't know, 
I ordered it and the price was half a Bitcoin. I should earn $30 per day once if I had it at that time. Uh, then I waited three months or two months for the ASIC. Once I received it, it made only $3 per day. And that was just because with time and the difficulty increasing, yes. uh, was the efficiency, efficiency of the machine worse than they had advertised or no it was just the, just the nature of the so the crit as far as i remember was uh i mean it definitely was gpu mineable mm. only gpu mm. so gpus would earn decent amount from that and then bitmine noticed the the potential there they made an asic which drive up the network hash rate and so did the difficulty uh increase and by the time i got the asic everyone connected those ASICs at approximately the same time in a span of one or two months mm -hmm. and the difficulty skyrocketed. So that by the time I got the ASIC, the difficulty was so high that it made it not profitable. Uh, the same thing still happens. Look at Cadena. If you've been following, Bitmain made an, uh, an ASIC and the difficulty skyrocketed. Now they just announced Caspa uh, ASIC, which will skyrocket the difficulty again so it's always important not to buy asics of some as bitcoiners would call it shit coins <laughs> uh, but yeah it's better to buy bitcoin or script so so your background came from a, you you came into the industry as a miner mm -hmm. and your knowledge comes from the mining side yes um i guess i never asked or stated what is your title with NiceHash and what uh, are you focusing primarily on? Yeah, I'm a lead mining manager. Okay. So my focus is on everything mining related on the supply side of Hashrate Marketplace. So there's GPU mining there, uh, ASIC mining, and yeah, that's pretty much all on the... But it, it's like a broader... Mm, I do a lot more things than just that. Yeah, in this industry we say... Uh, everyone wears many hats. Yeah, definitely. I've been doing support, marketing, uh, business development, you name it. And when did your journey start with NiceHash? In 2018. Okay. Um, that's when, uh, when I joined them. Mm -hmm. uh, it was quite a stressful time at the time. Uh, but yeah. Why is that? Uh, all the ASICs and... No, the, in 2017, NiceHash was a victim of North Korea hacker group, Lazarus. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, but we came out stronger. Mm -hmm. We, uh, we reimbursed, reimbursed all the funds. Mm -hmm. So there's not many companies that did that. Uh, I know. Like, I'm just thinking of Mount Gox as like a, yeah, is exactly. a perfect horror story example yeah. right there. Yeah. So you guys were like in a similar situation where like uh, crypto was being taken from your uh, hot wallets or? I don't know the details exactly. Uh, I'm not even sure if I could discuss that here. But, <laughs> <laughs> no worries. but the, yeah, we, we lost 4,700 uh, Bitcoins which at the time was, I think, 150 millions. Uh, the price of Bitcoin was 17,000, I think, um, or 14, I'm not, I don't remember. Um, but the main, uh, the main goal, what I'm trying to say is that once you experience something like that, mm -hmm. you make damn sure that that doesn't happen again. And when I say that we have some of the, the most strict rules, when it comes to security, I mean it. Uh, yeah, we're only on data plane all the time. If we're traveling, there's a bunch of security uh, measures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. So wow, you came in at you came in at an interesting time. And, yeah. And then shortly after, you said like so, 2017 to 2018, and then there's the Bitcoin crash around then, right? Yes. Uh, so. Soon after the incident, uh, the management who did a great job repaying uh, and doing all the decisions there because, you know, Mount Gox closed their doors. Uh, the easiest way out is just 
run away, yeah. you know. Uh, but we decided to cut our profits and we reimbursed reimbursed 122% in reality because uh, the Slovenian government did uh, tax us on that lost funds. Mm -hmm. So we put, paid additional 22% of tax on top of that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so not only were you, were you, uh, you had to be liable to all your customers and clients, but also to the, the government, government yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh man. Well, no, that's, that's incredible. I mean, from my perspective, we're in Miami, right? And we were here last year and, you know, you have, you have, uh, SBF is up there, you know, Sam was Bankman Freed, you know, the CEO of yeah. FTX or, you know, was running FTX. He's up there on the stage talking about how, you know, it's not as yeah. risky as you think, you know, sitting next to Caitlin Long while doing this. I, I remember she had this great quote. I think she said something like, a fool is someone who leverages their Bitcoin, something like that. Yeah. But it, it really hits hard and it hits home where we are now. And to know that there are companies and people who are willing to do the right thing I yeah. think uh, in terms of, like you said, like a security breach, that's something that can happen, but it's really, how do you, how do you move forward from that? Exactly. Exactly. It, it happens to the greatest, uh, companies, you know, it happens to the government, it happens to everyone. Uh, but it's just about getting out stronger, you know, uh, yeah. What is the probability of, of like, uh, some sort of an attack like that happening now? It's negative. Negative. <laughs> I think it's negative. Uh, yeah, it's hard to talk about that. Uh, I'm not sure, but yeah, mm -hmm. I, I would say it's negative. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That yeah. Mm. So what's in store for Miami? What's uh what are what are your objectives with Nice Hash and what are you guys looking to get out of the conference here? Exposure, mm -hmm. uh, brand awareness mostly, and more hash rate from my perspective. <laughs> we need a lot of more supply on the marketplace. Mm -hmm. We need, uh, at the moment, we're just over three exahash mm -hmm. and we're aiming for way more yeah. by the end of the year. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, how, how fast have you guys been growing that hash rate? It's going crazy. Uh, in the last year, we, we tripled the hash rate. Wow. Yeah. I mean, imagine we, Everyone who mines on nice hash gets five to ten percent more. Mm -hmm. So it's it's crazy not to use nice hash. You know, it's people are changing pools for for lower fees. Mm -hmm. You know, that makes half percent difference mm -hmm. at most. Whereas if you change pool to nice hash, you're getting seven percent more mm -hmm. or six or it fluctuates a little bit, but still. That's a, that's a good point to segue there because yeah, I, want, I wanted to ask a little bit about, uh, your guys fees and how, how that works and how it compares to like a, you know, traditional pool service and yep. maybe give you some time to answer as to why, you know, you'd be willing to pay that, uh, fee through nice hash. It's uh, so the fee for sellers is 2%, mm -hmm. uh, which is not which is i think it's quite the norm i've seen pools ranging from one to four percent mm -hmm. and everything in between and then for bigger farms we obviously do the the custom uh fees fee levels uh, which depends on the customer and the amount of hash rate um how exactly are you are you coming up with uh the numbers to to say that you'll earn, you know, six, seven percent more using nice hash. It's based on the, <clears throat> sorry, it's based on the past uh, performance. So um, we compare the pay rate on nice hash, the average pay rate to hash price index. So there's hash price index. I guess you're familiar for it with it. It's mm -hmm. it's the amount of bitcoins you get per beta hash, per tera hash, or sure. x hash per day. Mm -hmm. And uh, that amount is pretty much always higher on NiceHash. Uh, we, we have a website called Earn More with NiceHash, 
Uh, and in, as I said before, we just compare the hash price with nice hash pay rate. Mm -hmm. That's simple as that. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to the conference as well. I mean, for me, education is like the biggest thing yeah. with Bitcoin. I don't like to focus too much on the price of Bitcoin. I don't like to focus too much on, you know, how, how are you going to make money? You know, the, the goal is always to make money and to yeah. be successful. But for me, it's to learn about new ideas and new topics. And exactly. I mean, that's where, when we had that web call, I think it was like about a month ago Yeah. and I was just like super ignorant on what is nice hash. Uh, now it's turned into something that, you know, I'm constantly thinking about. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm always ranting at people about certain things. So like for me going through, you know, the different ways to buy and sell Bitcoin, yeah. uh, it's super important. You know, I, I come from like a little bit more of like a traditional dollar cost average, yeah. you know, buy the Bitcoin once an hour, once a day or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and then I see something like if you want to mine, if you're not, if you don't have a farm, if you're not taking on this big operation, mining is like, it's when you get to this point where you're fascinated by how everything works and you want to do it with your hands, yeah. but it's not necessarily like it's going to be financially rewarding, yeah. you know, unless you're able to put X, Y, Z together. So for someone like myself, who is just looking to immerse himself further into Bitcoin and, and all the different possibilities, that's where I see nice hash as something that's advantageous, something yeah. that people should explore more. Yeah, it's easy way to start mining on both sides, actually, both the sellers and the miners, the buyers. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I know that you're really active on LinkedIn yeah. and I have my own uh, theories about why LinkedIn is awesome. Personally, I think it's it's great for the Bitcoin community. Like it's, it's a really good way to yeah. talk to people. How did you kind of uh, pick LinkedIn to be like your social media platform? It's it's i don't know it's for business you know uh there's a lot of miners there there's a lot of there aren't so many people that i wouldn't want to meet uh, met so there's no there's just business people there and that's what we're looking for at nice you know uh, we have to have that online presence that someone can relate uh, to the company a person and that happens to be me so yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, you are the face and I see you all over the place and sharing articles, uh, sharing stories, working with other people, uh, talking uh, together. Um, I've seen you talking a lot about ordinals recently. Yeah. And yeah, I wanted to give you some time to kind of uh, express your thoughts on ordinals. I think a lot of people see it as either good or bad and they have their reasonings. And I guess I'm curious, what is yours? I mean, it's still early to be to be sure, uh, but I would say they are good, especially for the miners, uh, because you have to know that in a couple of years, I think in five years, there's going to be a second halving, which will bring the block reward to 1.5 Bitcoin. Uh, so the price would have to scale um, at the same time as the block drops. So every four years, you have to have double the price. You have to double the price in order to sustain the current profitability. Uh, and in eight year, in five years, that's times, uh, so 30 times eight, uh, the price to sustain the current profitability sure. without uh, the difficulty increasing. But we all know that the difficulty is, is increasing and all the public miners are like, giving out reports that they're building big mining farms so it's just gonna uh the hash rate is just gonna grow uh and in like by once the em emission curve drops even more on bitcoin uh there's only gonna be transaction fees that will uh keep up the miners but you have to ca have the miners to sustain the security of the bitcoin 
at the moment there's so many things going on on Bitcoin that some security risk would be quite bad for Bitcoin. Uh, luckily, there is a lot of energy that supports Bitcoin at the moment. But still, if imagine like once you have 0.1 Bitcoin as a reward, if there is no fees on top of that, uh, nobody is going to be mining. Only if the Bitcoin price is like a million or something like that, which obviously it will be Sunday. But uh, yeah, who knows? So what I'm trying to say is that ordinals increase the fees, which is good for miners. It's bad for uh, transactions, but you have Lightning Network, which solves that issue. Yes. Yeah. So I don't see an exact problem with high fees. Um, again, just because of Lightning Network. The opening and closing the channels would be more expensive, but still, I don't know, opening a Lightning channel for a big company isn't that expensive. Um, no, I agree. I mean, I think that's a really, really good way to to sum like every single perspective of it. Yeah. Uh, there is nuance in every answer, and I don't yeah. think it's just ordinals good, ordinals bad. And I don't think that people who mine are solely doing it with this idea that they love Bitcoin and will do everything for Bitcoin. Mining is a really intensive, expensive operation. Yes. It requires scaling. Proof of work requires scaling. Yeah. And this is actually, for me personally, you know, I'm about two years in the industry working in it, mm -hmm. maybe about three years really learning about Bitcoin, getting into Bitcoin. So for me, I come from a history background, like I have a okay. degree in history. Okay. So if I don't know what's going on now, I look to the past. I try to exactly. learn from it. And one of the things that fascinates me is the block size wars and the ideology of big block versus small block. Yeah. Um, and you get to this point now where, you know, you had you had SegWit, uh, you know, and you had the promise of the Lightning Network. And here we are, what, like six years later or something, five years later, and you're still, you still don't see this adoption of Lightning and you still, you don't see as many people talking about Lightning, excited about Lightning. Yeah. So maybe it is something like ordinals or high transaction fees uh, that pushes people to realize exactly. this technology is out exactly. here. I personally want Lightning to succeed. Yeah. I personally want people to use it more. I think it's, I think it's innovative, and I love sending Sats to yeah. my friends and look at what happened because of Ordinals and Binance, and I think some other exchange announced Lightning support in the next couple of days. Yeah, yeah, because I think Binance had to shut down the the withdrawals. Mm, yeah, yeah, because of the high fees. Um, and yeah, Lightning would fix that. Mm. Well, nicely should we support Lightning since I think 2019, something like that. And uh, we are one of the biggest nodes out there. So if anyone wants to connect with with our node, feel free to reach out. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we Lightning, I think it will definitely be the future, especially for Bitcoin. Uh, it's it's going to have to be. I mean, you you can't rely on you know, sending a very small amount of Bitcoin yeah. and waiting for the block to get validated. Yeah, especially if you think like the Bitcoin price will go up on the long run. So let's say 20 years from now, will you be sending, uh, what's going to be the fee for and then, you know, a couple of Satoshis now isn't much, but then it might be a whole different story. Yeah, exactly. And this is stack and sats. Yeah. And so <laughs> part of that is because, yeah, once my friend Matthias showed me lightning and how yeah. uh, how you take that Bitcoin and you break it down um, into a smaller number system, it, it makes more sense. And it's yeah. it's yeah. I think the lightning uh, team is I mean, team, the developers are doing the uh, a way of tokenize Lightning Network, something like that. There, there's going to be some tokens on the Lightning Network itself. I'm not quite familiar, but it's, it definitely has room to improve mm -hmm. the 
I mean, into to evolve. Yeah, you know, there there still are some concerns um, that need to be addressed with Lightning. Of course, yeah. But same with Bitcoin. Same with anything. You yeah. know, it wasn't. You know, it's not. It's not God's word. It's something that yeah. pragmatically we work towards and we, we build and we get better with it. Exactly. I mean, look at any industry there is. Look at the automobile industry. The first cars could travel just a couple of miles, you know, and we have super duper cars right now. Uh, it just takes time. The same with internet, the same with Bitcoin, the same with, I mean, the first bicycles or like what, you know, and now we have you know, the cyclists have super advanced uh, bicycles and it's, it just takes time. Yeah. We are still early. No, I agree. I mean, we're, we're so early in all of this yeah. and, and, and in such a short amount of time, we have a really big history in my opinion. Yeah. I think that's just with the nature of, you know, there's no market times for all of this. It's constantly going on in real time. Yeah. I mean, someone who's working in the crypto industry they know that being out of office for a week or two is almost life-changing yeah. because once you get back everything is different yeah uh so yeah i we always joke around that that it's hard to stay out of uh out of the loop for longer periods because it's evolving so fast mm -hmm. everything is happening so fast uh, i don't know sbf goes down and in a week everything is in chaos and so on mm -hmm. yeah. so i always like to to end the episode by asking just like uh what's in store for the future for you you know do you have any any goals you're looking to achieve in the next you know couple of years or so i mean i think you have the answer it's the name of your podcast <laughs> keep stacking sets stay humble and yeah. stack sets yeah i mean from company perspective it's definitely get more hash rate mm -hmm. um more hash rate and keep up with the demand side and we have a bunch of other products uh in the line um from my personal, I think stacking sets would fit in nicely because it truly really is. Keep mining. Uh, yeah, awesome. Think. Well, where can our audience uh, reach out to you, Marco, and talk to you and find out more about NiceHash? Pro probably LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. uh, LinkedIn is where I'm active the most. I'm also on Twitter, but I'm not as active there. Um, I'm also on Telegram. Uh, but yeah, I normally give that out later. Sounds good. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on here, Marco, and spending the time and yeah. explaining uh, nice hash and just in general sharing your perspectives. It's been really refreshing. I'm yeah. looking forward to the concert or the conference, and uh, I'm sure we'll be running into each other. Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for inviting me. I had a good time.